Do you remember that old joke, three comdis professionals walk into a bar and, oh, wait, you've never heard it before? We haven't either. But what if three comdis professionals did walk into a bar, sit down at a table, and have thoughtful conversations about a whole host of topics? What if you could eavesdrop and maybe even pull up your own chair? And what if that bar was actually a coffee shop because at least one of us would inevitably fall asleep or want to dance after a couple glasses of wine? This series is that conversation in the coffee shop where you get to listen in on thoughtful discussions about a variety of topics from the perspective of a medical SLP, a school-based SLP, and a professor in communication sciences and disorders. Grab a drink, pull up a chair, and let's get started. Hello, my fishbowl friends. I am here with Dr. Janet Tilstra and Katie Weidstrom-Landgraf, and we are so excited to be opening up this series with you. Katie, you are one of the brilliant minds in this threesome here. Will you explain to us how we got the title Fishbowl Series? Sure. So uh, one of the most interesting experiences I've had is learning from others through uh, witnessing and and observation. And it's that notion of being able to be um, an observer to this really dynamic interaction. Uh, But know that, even though we call this a fishbowl series, uh, you're not always going to be on the outside looking in, right? So as we move through this conversation, hopefully uh, we add chairs to our table and the circle gets wider. Uh, But the reason it's called the fishbowl is it's that notion of being able to just observe from the outside a really dynamic conversation with folks who all have the shared love of the profession of communication sciences and disorders. And yet we all come to that love and that profession from very different perspectives. We do. The three of us come from very different perspectives. So we don't have to choose a fish or an ocean animal. No, (laughs) nope. Nope. We're just, we're just all floating around together and uh, maybe maybe we'll run into the castle again and be surprised. Right? I was thinking octopus, but I was going to call it. <laughs> That's fair. I love, I love how you said that. Most of the time, as the podcast host, I'm the one explaining everything. And as the three of us sat and just went over what we were going to do and say, you said what you just said so beautifully. That captures what all three of us are bringing to the table. So let's take a moment and explain to our listeners who why each one of us are part of this um, fishbowl series and what we bring to the table. Janet, would you like to start? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, Maddie, I want to say thanks for being, you know, introducing me to podcasting from the talking side. I'm I'm a big fan of podcasts in terms of listening and learning. And it's just um, exciting and and serendipity that this all came together. My name is Janet Tilstra. I'm an associate professor at St. Cloud State University in the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders, which is a, that's a mouthful, right? So um, I will be participating as someone who's mostly had my career in higher education. I did have some early clinical experience, but I think I bring the, the deepest lens from higher ed. Yeah, so you are our, you're the professor and the researcher and all of that. 
Katie, tell us about yourself. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Uh, I love learning new things and learning from my colleagues. And I feel like the podcast format helps us cast that shared experience of learning, cast that net of shared learning just a bit um, wider. So thank you for that. Uh, I bring the school lens. I just started my 20th year working in an educational setting, specifically working in a high school. How about you, Maddie? I bring my passion, which is medical SLP work. I've worked around the world for over 25 years as a medical SLP. Um, and the more challenging, the better for me. I just, that's where I get my, um, this is why I do what I do. I recently, three years ago, stepped into the assistant professorship position at a university and um, working, teaching and supervising the students. And that's just been a wonderful segue at this point in my career. Really opened up some doors and really made me feel just so much more fulfilled, which is why I began, you know, the podcast and, and the website and everything I do. It's just having these important conversations. So I'm glad we're all here together. Yes, me too. Me too. We're going to talk for a little bit about how we all became SLPs and kind of our journeys to the profession and then to our current settings. So Katie, would you want to go ahead and tell us about your journey first? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Iowa and I actually worked with a speech language pathologist on my S's and my Z's when I was mm, right around eight years old. Shout out to Mrs. Bakken if you happen to be hearing this. Uh, And (laughs) Yes. And it was wonderful. Mrs. Bakken was magic. And um, I went through school and promptly forgot about what Mrs. Bakken actually did for a job. And so uh, I didn't really learn about communication sciences and disorders until I was already in college. I was working uh, as a part of a stage crew at Iowa State. Um, The play was The Grapes of Wrath. And I asked this woman, who was also a part of the stage crew, what her major was. And she said, speech language pathology, you know, communication sciences and disorders. And I said, I do know. And I remembered Mrs. Bakken. And it was like a lightning bolt uh, had struck for me. And I changed my major the next day. And uh, I never looked back. And it was the best decision ever made. So that's how I got to speech-language pathology. How about you, Janet? Well, first of all, shout out to Iowa. Um, (laughs) I grew up in Iowa as well, um, in Ames, in fact. Um, So Ames is my hometown where Iowa State is. Go Cyclones. Um, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I first really took note of speech pathology when my grandpa had a stroke, I was in, I think, the eighth grade, and he had what I would now define as pretty classic Broca's aphasia, so um, some difficulty formulating sentences, but his comprehension was better than his production, and then just some intact, you know, automatic phrases, whether it was cursing or responding um, with kind of a, a memorized phrase. So that I found 
interesting on two levels. One, I was just fascinated. How could the brain have some sort of clumps of language that were intact still, and then some parts of that language formulation process that were so effortful for him? And then second, there was a speech and language pathologist who came to their farm in Michigan. And I don't know exactly what she did with him. It was before dysphagia was a thing. So I'm sure it was focused more on communication or aphasia treatment. But she came to their home. I remember seeing her interact with my grandpa. And then it was something that was a meaningful experience. So that's kind of that fuzzy backdrop. Um, Fast forward to going off to college. Um, I was pretty sure I wanted to go into one of the allied health professions and was thinking about occupational therapy, physical therapy, maybe speech, remote possibility of nursing. Um, then I realized somewhere along the line that um, I didn't really like the, the routine nature of some of the elements of physical therapy that sort of repeated exercises over and over, I was really drawn to kind of language and the way the brain worked and the complexities of that kind of cognitive linguistic piece. Um, I had some excellent experiences shadowing people in different careers, and I'm a big fan of, of having students or anyone who's thinking of a career change do shadowing because I think that really helps you sort of mentally try on what you might be thinking about doing. Um, I also had some awesome experiences where I worked with some summer camps and that really helped me um, just meet people who had different kinds of disabilities or communication challenges. And I think it really just deepened my interest from that level of as undergrad before I even committed to going on to grad school. So that's my entry point. My journey was a bit different. I um, was a communications major and I'm, I'm a big, big, big writer. So when I come home at night, I just, I write, love to write. And so my undergraduate degree was in um, writing. And I went on and graduating was a technical writer for IBM. We were writing financial program. Um, I was writing the training manuals and doing the training for IBM and went to visit my sister one time, my older sister, who I just, you know, big sister, she, you love your older sisters. And we stopped by her work and she worked at a skilled nursing facility. And I walked in to go get her and she is a speech pathologist. And I went in and I was a, a writer at the time and I saw the work that she was doing with these people and she got to sit and talk to them. And she seemed so well-loved and it was such a warm environment. I thought I would love to step away from some of the technical writing. Um, my husband went back to school and um, I decided to go back to school too. And so I decided to follow in my older sister's footsteps and become a speech pathologist and have not regretted it. I've loved it. Sweet. So all three of us come from very different settings. The common thread is that we love our jobs and we were introduced to it through a variety of different means, but we all seem to have that passion that holds true for us. We still have the challenges though in the different settings that we have. So let's take just a moment and, and talk about some of the challenges in our settings. 
Sure. Uh, I will start. I work in education. And uh, what's interesting, incidentally, is I never thought that I would work in education. I was so certain, in fact, that even when I did uh, clinical practicum hours, I did my child hours uh, in pediatric settings. So I say that because you don't always know mm-hmm. what you, where you'll end up fitting and the uh, setting that will really connect for you. Um, all of that being said, there is no perfect setting. I think the challenges in the educational setting uh, would be just the size of the caseload, uh, caseload and, and the subsequent workload is at times just daunting. And um, I, I think that is something that creates this feeling of, of just tension and uh, it can, can be a little bit of a slippery slope because we all want to do well. And we also have uh, some very real uh, limitations on things like time and number of students that you can see in a day. So that would be uh, the most substantial challenge in the setting that I'm in. Um, Maddie, how about the medical setting? What would you say is a challenge working in the medical setting? Sounds like we have a lot of the same, um, the challenges, uh, the caseloads, the productivity requirements can be very high depending on the medical setting. Um, sometimes they are um, reasonable, sometimes they are not. Um, sometimes in the medical setting, there can be opportunities for unethical things that I've seen going on, not because um, people think that this is what's going to happen and this is what they're going to do, but they get pushed back against the wall. Um, So those are some of the uglier sides of the medical setting. Um, And and there's also the stress of, you know, we work with people who die and, and that can be hard as well. That can be hard as well. Janet, how about you? Well, I wanted to just make a comment before I answer. Um, I was speaking with a community friend who um, lost her husband, I think two years ago to ALS. And he was young. He was in his 50s. And when I saw her recently, she was telling me how much the speech language pathologist was such a support and such a critical person in their journey. And um, she was someone who really didn't know about the profession before that, but she just was telling me again and again how grateful she was. So, um, yeah. Conversations like that, knowing that I know we're going to talk about challenges. I mean, uh, excitements and, and rewards in a, in a minute, but it's things like that, that I just love mm-hmm. why we do what we do. Yeah. And a unique piece of medical SLP. I don't, in my setting, I don't sit and hold the hands or help um, the person whose spouse is dying with final communication or choices of last food they might eat. Um, so I have a different different Mm -hmm. focus. Um, Again, my focus is in higher education. I teach in um, what we would consider a regional comprehensive university. So we are not a university where, where most, where there's a heavy research focus. So most of my focus is really on classroom and clinical teaching. 
Um, we're also slightly different from like a private college, like a private liberal arts college, because the teaching load tends to be heavier in the institution where I am. Um, so for example, I would teach generally four classes for three credits each versus in many liberal arts schools, you might teach three classes of four credits. And some of those might be repeats if you're in a large major like psychology. Mm -hmm. So I might teach two sections of intro, same course. So I say all of that just to say one of the challenges is just um, preparing for teaching, staying up on a lot of things and feeling quite a bit of responsibility to make sure that what I teach is accurate. And um, there can be a tension, I think, but if you don't know something, there can be a tension between wanting to be honest, but also not wanting to present yourself as someone who doesn't know what they're doing. So I think just straddling that kind of humility with um, also kind of owning this sort of being up in front authoritative role that you, you fall into as a professor. Um, I think a second challenge that's good for people to know who are coming into higher ed is there are different sort of tiers of positions and there are challenges and benefits of each of those. But for example, someone might be hired to teach a course and that can be a great way to sort of try your wings at teaching. Um, the pay is horrible. It's just like not the best pay if you divide it by the hours spent prepping, um, but a great way to dip your toe in. A second level of position is a year-to-year -year contract, which can be extremely fun. And in many cases, you don't have some of the responsibilities to serve on committees, advise students, write curriculum, measure how the program's doing. But the limits of that are you're on a year-to-year -year contract. So it's hard to say, I'm going to make this three-year plan. And it can feel sometimes very insecure. Um, I'm currently, I've had both of those appointments and I'm currently in a tenure track position, which I say is kind of the golden ticket position. So you are, you have a probationary time, you have goals you need to meet. And then once you receive tenure, you, um, you basically have a job in an ongoing capacity unless you do something criminal or there's retrenchments, um, severe cuts within the institution. Um, all right, so those are some of the challenges in higher ed. One of the things I've noticed stepping into the higher ed is you guys also use a different terminology than, than I do as a medical SLP. So for anybody stepping into um, the academic setting, realize that there's a different terminology. Okay, can you... Say more. You have an example that comes. Sure. To like um, I know one of the positions positions you were referring to is FTNP um, retention um, scholarship of learning. There's all these phrases that academicians will easily throw around. So I'm always like deciphering acronyms and looking things up. Right. Yeah. And within any specific institution, you're going to have like just some internal acronyms and it can make your head spin. Mm -hmm. So we've got a few minutes left. 
let's spend our time talking about the things that we love about our positions, the things that are uh, very rewarding for us and share some stories there. Janet, would you like to start? Um, sure. Um, I've, I've worked in the college setting since really the late 90s. I mean, on a very part-time basis. And I just, I really like this time of life. Um, I think for myself, young adulthood was really a time of personal growth, lots of decisions about who I was and where I wanted to go. And so in my role as a professor, I'm able to be a part of that, whether it's on the sidelines or as a mentor. So I find it a real privilege to look for the potential in others. Sometimes it's potential they don't see, but I do. And just to really be able to try to foster and grow that. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for creativity. And if there's something I want to do a little more of, often I can kind of chase down a pathway. So I really do love the higher education environment. Katie, how about you? Well, uh, so I love the setting that I work in, which is super incredible because it was a setting I never thought that I would work in. Um, I particularly love working with high school students because the bulk of my caseload is working with language disorders. And uh, I always said, like, I would, if I could, I would have a t-shirt that says, I heart language because uh, I love working on language. I love working on language, not just because of the communicative aspect and impact, but I love that language is the infrastructure of thought. So it feels really cool to be working on something that helps us think of thought in our heads. Even if I'm never communicating it to another person, that dialogue within myself, worth it, right? So um, I would amazing. also say, yeah, I, and I would also say, you know, when I have uh, students doing practicums with me, I, I will talk about our profession in kind of two buckets, right? We have the habilitative bucket and the rehabilitative bucket. And I learned, having worked in both rehabilitative settings and habilitative settings, that I, um, I am recharged by helping somebody get something they never had versus helping somebody get something back that they always had and lost and they're trying to have it again. I discovered that for me personally, rehabilitative services could also make me feel very sad. And so what I love about the setting that I work in is it feels um, it feels like forward motion in that this may have been something that was not ever addressed before. This may be a new thing that we're working on. And um, yeah, I would say that's what excites me about the setting that I work in. Uh, Maddie, Talk to me about the setting that you work in, because I think what's interesting is the very setting that sometimes would make me very sad is the setting that completely um, lights your fire. So what are you excited about uh, with the medical setting? That's the setting that I pop out of bed in the morning, excited to go and do and be and exist in. Um, and I, I love the rehabilitative because somebody's lost something and I'm providing hope back to them whether it's through um, like my video swallows, I think those are some of my favorites because I absolutely love to think. And when I have somebody in my video swallow chair, I'm thinking they're swallowing and, and I'm watching and I'm, I'm diagnosing and diagnosing and I'm 
like if this does this and I do this and have them do this and then we change the swallow this way and lo and behold, they can respond to what I'm teaching them. Um, and they get, they get their dignity back. They get their ability to um, say who they are. And I find that so many important conversations happen towards the end of people's lives that probably should have taken place earlier, but it, you know, some of the conversations are the most meaningful where they have those conversations that um, solve important problems or um, resolve hurts or provide support or um, those, you know, those I love yous are just so important. And sometimes in the medical setting, we, as a speech pathologist, as a medical speech pathologist, we help people not to suffer. And to me, that is a great honor to help a family member um, feed their their mother or father their you know final sips of water because that's what they want to give. So I am deeply in love with being a medical SLP. Mm. I really love the the way that you talk about the habilitative versus rehabilitative, Katie, because I think sometimes people will say like pediatrics or adults mm-hmm. and for myself, for example, um, I love working with adults who stutter, um, but I don't have any interest in dysphagia or some of the kind of end of life things. Um, and so I think that habilitative piece aligns more with, you know, maybe that's what I'm, I'm moved towards is helping someone Mm -hmm. have something they never had. And I, I would say, of course, you know, there's somebody listening to our podcast right now who's like, wait a minute, I have a student who had a traumatic brain injury. That's rehabilitative. Widestrom, what are you saying? And so, yes, we want to also acknowledge that there's there's a little bit of, there's there's definitely crossover. The but both and thing, right? There's both and. And what's interesting is I also think there is that shared priority of reducing suffering of, um, mm-hmm. across all of the different disciplines and across all the different, uh, ways we work in this profession. Uh, and I think, I think it's just interesting to start exploring that with each other mm. because we do spend a lot of time with shared setting colleagues, but mm-hmm. we don't always get to talk with each other. And that's what makes this podcast so exciting. And that's what makes this opportunity so dynamic. And so um, know that as we progress through this conversation, it is our hope that those of you who are listening uh, share in the conversation. And so Maddie, can you talk to us a little bit about kind of what we're thinking as we're moving through this series and how folks might do that? Sure. We have, uh, we would love, love, love for you guys to call in and leave comments and questions and thoughts for us to discuss. The number you need to call is 612-361-9810, 612-361-9810, or go find the podcast at freshslp.com and you can uh, email us there. But we, this is this is we are having fun doing this, but we also want the listeners to be involved and give us your thoughts. This is for all of us. This is for our profession. Yeah, send us your questions. Mm-hmm. 
So this is a great note to end on, my fishbowl friends. Thank you very much. Quick, thank you so thank you. much for the opportunity. Yes, this was great. Quick, one last thing. Katie, you said if you could make a t-shirt, I heart language. Or I heart minutia. Um, I actually like minutia in all its forms. So maybe that one, the minutia of language gets a little long on a t-shirt. So it does. Yeah. I would but do if, I heart med SLP. Ooh, okay. All right, oh. Janet. Um, I would either do I heart growth mindset or oh. I heart nuanced conversations. Oh. <laughs> wow. So clever. I mean, Maddie, I know it's a little early, but maybe we could talk about some swag options for the podcast. <laughs> is that even a thing? I mean, let's talk Bring about it. it later. It but. is. It is. I've got some, I'm going to Asha, you know, and I've got a, I'm going to have a table there and I'm ordering some swag probably tonight. Okay. I'm picturing like fishbowl with the iHeart. Oh, I don't know. Really oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, folks, uh, so you have that phone number and you have that email. Maybe you could help us like up our swag game. That could also mm-hmm. be a way. It's not just questions. It's wonderments. And it's also yeah. uh, it's also just creative input, right? So thanks again for the offer. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right. We're starting a new thing here where we've got the collaborative uh, Fishbowl SLPs. <laughs> I think so. Excellent. In their swag. Okay. In their flag. Until our (laughs) next episode. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. I hope today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP. Continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.